Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. All right, I've been gone for two days. It's a hard bump landing back on Earth after two days off, I'll tell you that. Ryan Huang is helping me out with the breakdown of the markets. I enjoyed your chat with Dan yesterday. Yeah, where were you, Michelle? We missed you. Oh, I was making friends. I was staying up late. Uh, I, I, Sounds I, like a party. Yeah, it was two days straight party. Well, we've got a long weekend. Why do you even come back to work today? <laughs> Uh, good point, Ryan. Always the man with the points. Let's start this morning with corporate earnings, shall we? All right. A look at three regional companies then. We start with these companies because they all have roots here in Singapore. And I have to say, last night, Ryan, I dreamt I was on my phone. I was booking a ride to go to an air supply concert. Yes. <laughs> air supply. <laughs> air supply is coming to Hong Kong and Taipei next month. And I dreamt they were going to play in Singapore too. In any case, you can decide. You can guess, right, which three uh, companies are in focus this morning and the industries. Yes, I am focusing on entertainment, ride bookings and telecoms. So the companies are Singtel, Grab and Unusual Limited. Let's start with Unusual because they're the entertainment company that are actually bringing air supply to Asia next month. You see, it pays to... Paying attention to me, sometimes I make sense. Um, not here to Singapore, though. You're going to have to fly to Hong Kong. You may have to fly to Taipei to see air supply if you're a fan. Unusual is also reporting its first half-year profit. So, Ryan, given the very high demand for concert tickets these days, I am going to venture that Unusual's profits... Probably heading north, am I right? Mm-hmm. Unusually high, if you want to say it. <laughs> so it is up more than 10 times to $14.1 million. This is for the first half ended September. And just to give you the numbers for the same period last year, it was $1 million. So it is a 954% jump in revenue, or rather, uh, this is revenue at $66.4 million. So... This is all as we've been talking about people wanting to go out and about, going to concerts, especially after the pandemic. And for Unusual, they've got a couple of nice shows. Jackie Chung was among them. Mm. They sold out, not just sold out, he had a record 11 shows in Singapore. So Jackie Chung was one of the shows that Unusual was organizing, which happened sometime in July. So you've got that, plus more to come. So all these concerts helping to bring in the cash for unusual... 11 shows. Were you at any one? I'm afraid not. I couldn't get any of the tickets. Oh, wow. So maybe something else coming up around the horizon, maybe next year. Mm. Well, look out for your Christmas sock, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Shares of Unusual made some big gains in the first few months of the year, but they have been trading within a relatively narrow band since then, I have to say. They are up more than 50%, though, since January. All right, my next stock in focus, Singtel. Its focus, uh, pr- its profits really surged during the first half of its fiscal year, up more than 80%, thanks in large part due to a one-off gain related to its operations in Indonesia, Singtel netted more than $2 billion in the first six months of the year. The telco has been streamlining assets. It's part of what it calls its strategic reset. Ryan, are Singtel's latest numbers an indication of sorts, you know, that this new strategy is playing out? Yeah, I was just thinking they've got so many ways to phrase it. Strategic reset, some people call it the year efficiency. Mm. No, you've got all these terms, but 
I think it all comes down to the same thing. They want to make sure that costs are streamlined. Mm. You know, they cut out the fat and position themselves for future growth. And this is where Singtel is saying, mm. you know, the hard work is over, at least the harder part of it. So that is now putting it on track for better times. And you might remember this was started about two and a half years back and then it had to kind of decide what to prioritize. You had to restructure a bit what sort of divisions were more likely to pay off. Uh, so they created a few new ones. And of course, they divested a couple of things as well. So now you have the results reflecting that. 83% rise in earnings for the six months to September. So this uh, substantially a big chunk coming through from a one-off gain with what you mentioned just now, the Indonesian Associate telecom sell. So that, even though if you don't include the one-off gain and you include the strong Singapore dollars impact into the earnings, they are still doing quite decently, up mm. 12%. So mm-hmm. all in, Singtel is building itself for better times. Certainly are. Let's look at them in context. Shares of Singtel are lagging behind the STI. They are down about 6.5% since the beginning of the year. Next up, I'm going to look at Grab. For the first time in a decade, Grab Holdings is posting a profit on an adjusted basis. So this is a milestone, really, for Southeast Asia's ride-hailing and food delivery company as it tries to convince investors of its earnings potential. You know, Grab is still not fully profitable, though. It lost 99 million US dollars in the last quarter. Still a lot better than a year earlier. Walk us through Grab's business. Is it on the right track? Yeah, it is mostly a pretty decent report card. So let's unpack it a bit with the main numbers. So all in, you've got, well... The um, narrowing losses third quarter to $99 million from $342 million a year ago. So that's for the overall look. But if you go into adjusted earnings before EBITDA, that is where things are looking quite okay. So that's now on track, or it has actually hit its break-even forecast. and It has posted on that basis $29 million. So on that basis, adjusted earnings, it has broken even, but not yet for the um, numbers they have to account for, which is a loss. But at least the loss has narrowed. So a couple of things to look at. Uh, if you look at revenue, that's the good news. It's up 61% to $615 million. And what's driving here is pretty much across all segments, you are seeing some growth and what they call optimization of incentives. Not really a great word if you're a driver because for some of the routes you take, you might earn less, some you might earn more. But maybe Grab is able to benefit out of it because it has to not pay as much as before. So that's where they're getting the gains, Mm. so to speak. Mm. And then if you look at a not-so-good news, Mm -hmm. um, you've got gross merchandise value per user that is down. 2% 2% to 148, uh, $148. So mm-hmm. per user, they are seeing more or less uh, money coming in per user. But the good news is they are seeing more users. So the number of monthly transacting users grew 7%. So you've got more volume, but the so-called profitability per user is going down. So it depends on how you want to look at it. You know? The margins are going down, but it is able to attract more people on board. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where the inflection point is for this. 
Interesting. So Grab growing its base. If we look at how it's trading, around $3.29 a share on NASDAQ. This is up 20% since the 20 plus percent since the start of the year. But Grab shares are still trading well underwater compared to two years ago. Remember back then they were trading at 14 US dollars a share. Are you spending less on Grab each time? It makes me think twice these days because mm. I've got other things I want to spend on mm. and of course, you know, priorities. Can I take a bus? Can I take a train? No, that comes to mind. Um, sometimes I still have to take a grab and I feel the pinch because prices have increased and of course, you've got additional platform fees yeah. and so on. So, it does make you think twice whether you should take a grab or something else. Especially when you do comparison. So I was trying to book a grab yesterday. Surge, those surge fees came in, right? Because it was Pika. And and then I compared what I would have to pay on grab versus another platform, which sh- shall not be named. And it would have been $38, versus 20, 38 on grab versus 26 on another platform. So what do you do? What do you think I did? <laughs> I saved costs. I tightened my belt. I went with 26. So grab, uh, we'll, keep an, we'll continue to keep an eye out, but I certainly am spending less. I'm one of those people on the platform spending less. Let's now turn to the banking sector because there's breaking news this morning. OCBC is reporting better than expected earnings up more than 20% in the last quarter to $5.5 billion. It is worth pointing out this is a record. It is the first time OCBC has ever netted more than $5 billion in a quarter. So what's driving OCBC's business? Yeah, pretty much the same reason why most banks have been enjoying a good quarter higher interest rates. Mm. So 21.4 4% rise in the third quarter thanks to record growth in net interest income as well as non-interest income. So that came in at $1.8 billion, higher than the $1.5 billion last year. So if you look at the NIMS, the net interest margins, this gives you an interesting picture. So right now, for the current quarter, they reported 2.27%. That is down from... 2.31%, which was pretty much the peak uh, in recent times. That was in the fourth quarter last year. Even though net interest margins have come down by about four basis points, you still have net interest income going to a record high, like you pointed out. So the income this quarter is higher than back in the fourth quarter where interest rates were higher. So it kind of gives you an idea of how well they are growing the loans book and perhaps more to come. So that's a bright spot for OCBC. And if you look at the non-performing loans ratio, that is slightly lower at 1%, down from 1.2%. So also a pretty um, optimistic picture here. Indeed, indeed. OCBC, the third of Singapore's three locally listed banks to open its books. DBS, you remember, reported earnings Monday. UOB reported its earnings, let's see, a fortnight ago. So how is OCBC performing relative to its competitors? Yeah, pretty much in line with where the whole crowd is going. So let's unpack it a bit. So DBS reported a 17% jump in quality profit. And let's take a look at where we we have, um, what we have for UOB. So they reported net profit of $1.38 billion for the third quarter ended September, which was down uh, 1%. So you've got pretty much the same tune coming through from them, which is a bit of uncertainty ahead, but mostly optimistic around what's happening in the region. If we get OCBC's latest outlook in this morning's earnings update, uh, what they are saying, looking ahead, macro 
economic conditions are expected to be clouded by growing uncertainties from inflationary risks, tightening monetary policies, and heightened geopolitical risks. So quite likely, you will see all three banks facing the same headwinds. Uh, but by and large, uh, you've got quite decent fundamentals going on for all three banks. Uh, of course, for DBS, you've got a different um, headwind to look out for, which is the digital disruptions they've had to face. And Hi. the MES still looking very closely if more needs to be done in terms of um, well, further restrictions or not. Mm. All right. So far this morning, we've talked about Singtel, Grab, Unusual and Singapore banks. If we zoom out, what is your major takeaway? Yeah, so quite an interesting and encouraging sign of where things are going. If you look at where, for example, Grab is going, you've got more people joining the Grab platform, so more people to monetize. You've got them breaking even on their own basis, adjusted earnings basis. And if they're Singtel, after some tough quarters, they've managed to turn around and they are now on better footing to go ahead. If you look at Unusual, uh, they are also on better footing as well after a tough few years when you had no events, no concerts. Now looking ahead, everyone wants to head out and they can ask for higher prices as well. So these seem to be pretty bright spots in terms of earnings. Um, you can keep an eye out for to see how much more they can go. Fantastic. All right. From the view in Asia, let us switch positions. Take a look at the US stocks now. Wall Street was enjoying one of its longest winning streaks in two decades. Well, until last night, Jerome Powell warned that the US Federal Reserve may still Raise interest rates again? That was enough for the bond deals to rise and share prices to sink. The Nasdaq fell nearly 1%. S&P 500 not far behind, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down 0.6%. Time for corporate news. We do it up or down style. Let's start with Apple. Apple is dropping. Well, this is down for me. So it is around this headline I'm looking at, which is how Apple has agreed to pay up to $25 million over hiring discrimination. Mm. So the story here is how apparently uh, they were found guilty of violating the Immigration and Nationality Act when they recruited through what's dubbed as the Permanent Labour Certification Program or PERM. So this allows companies to hire foreign workers in the U.S., so as you might want to speculate, uh, maybe Apple was leaning towards hiring foreigners. So they didn't advertise as widely as some say they should have. So what happened here is they did not advertise some of their positions online mm-hmm. as they typically should and did for other positions. Some of these positions, um, they only accepted applications through the mail. So Apple's defense is, hey, we made a mistake. Um, we overlooked this. Uh, we didn't mean to do it. So they have settled. And well, that's their story. Yeah. So Apple facing a double whammy this morning. In the US, the iPhone maker has been ordered to pay 25 million US dollars to settle that discrimination lawsuit related to its hiring practice. And not a lot of money for the company, though. But in Europe, a court says Apple could owe 13 billion euros in back taxes. Now, that is a lot of money, for sure. The case is not settled yet. Uh, Apple is currently on the back foot there. So I'm going to give this a down. Next up, let's look at automakers. Two of them, in fact, hailing from Japan, Nissan and Honda. Yeah, so I am going 
up for car makers in Japan yeah. because the yen is going down. Mm-hmm. So as you expect, as you see a weaker home currency while you sell overseas, when you bring it back home, it becomes even more. So this is where some of these car makers are enjoying healthier profit margins because when they sell cars overseas, it becomes even more in terms of yen. So that's where they are seeing some benefit as well as a recovery in sales. Yeah, times are good for Japan's automakers. Let's look at Honda. Their profits rose more than 30% last quarter. Nissan did even better. Its profits more than doubled. That is an up for Japan's car makers. Okay, let's look at Tesla up or down. Yeah, Tesla has a story of is the price right? Mm-hmm. And the price mm-hmm. is not right for HSBC. They have initiated coverage on Tesla's stock price with a reduced rating and a $146 price target. Where we have Tesla right now is $209++. So it is saying Tesla's looking quite expensive. Maybe it's time to take profit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you might say Tesla's also received a vote of no confidence from a major investment bank and research house, HSBC Global, thinks Tesla shares are too pricey. So calling Tesla a, quote, very expensive auto company, which I have been saying for a while, uh. HSBC is advising its clients to reduce their stakes in the EV maker and it set a target price of some 40, no, 146 US yeah, dollars. Yeah, one more risk we highlighted is... Yeah. Is the so-called one-man risk where everything is tied to one man. Good so point. they yeah. flagged this with a quote, hmm. uh, citing that Elon Musk is a charismatic CEO with a cult-like following who feeds into the innovator narrative. So that gives you an idea. People are just buying a stock because of Elon Musk. Good point. By the way, Elon Musk has a new book, a new hardcover. Are you getting it? It's on my bedside table. Are you of going course. to give him a call? <laughs> It's by Walter Isaacson. It's another portrait of uh, the tech star, but one man risk, all right? It's a yeah, great should, way to put um, it. Get him on X and maybe get an interview or something. You're right, you're right, Ryan. It's high up there on my list. Oprah, the Pope, Elon Musk. Yeah, people I want to meet. Our last word today actually belongs to the Titanic. Have you ever wondered what people in the Titanic were eating just before the ship went under? Well, a menu from that night when the Titanic sank is up for auction. So you can find out my answer to the question if you fork over 70,000 pounds. Just kidding, I'll tell you in a while. Uh, But that's actually the expected sales price of this particular menu. So I'm going to tell you now what was on the menu. First class passengers were enjoying oysters, salmon with hollandaise sauce, beef, duck, roast chicken, green peas, parsnip puree, Victoria pudding. Wow, what a unique view into the past of that historic night, right? How much would you pay for a souvenir from the Titanic? Yeah, a piece of history. I'm not Mm. sure, but it's quite fascinating to see what first class tastes were like. I'm quite curious as well to see what is the gap? What are they serving in the other classes? Like mm. fish and chips or potatoes? Or what's in what's going on down the end of the corridor? What a great point. What 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 was second class? Yeah, eating? I guess you'd buy the menu find out. Yeah, that's true. This is the menu from the night the Titanic hit the iceberg, so that's April nineteenth. Uh nineteen twelve was the day that it left actually. So a little later than that, yeah. That's, yeah, so but that's what they have to do. For sure, for sure. You know, I'm a huge fan of ancient history. 
Oh, okay. So yeah. what have you got in your museum at home? Uh, we have um, rocks that Elon Musk may or may not have stepped on when oh, he was yeah. visiting the pyramid. Nice, nice. Yeah, things like that. Uh, a little bit of a lock of hair from um, a skeleton that's about 5,000 years old. And maybe soon a menu from the Titanic. <laughs> Maybe. Or somebody can buy a menu from my house, a dinner that we served last week. That's going for $1.50. First class. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your company. I'm Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Huang. More of finance and all that you need to know about Singapore markets is coming up. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.